Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. So glad that you are with us today. We are wrapping up a series called Devoted. We're looking at what discipleship is all about. We're looking at what it is to follow Jesus. We, we talked in that first week, can you imagine what it must have been like to be one of the 12 following Jesus from town to town, from village to village, talking with him on the roads, sitting by the campfire, staying up late at night, looking at the stars that he spoke into existence and watching him heal the sick. And change people's lives. And to give back what the darkness had stolen. Watching the kingdom coming in the flesh. Being a disciple in that moment was challenging. Because Jesus was right there. (laughs) I mean, so whenever you sort of let a word fly or you cut off a soldier's ear like Peter... There was a reaction from the Savior right there in that moment, and it was challenging right then. And you were straining to listen, and you were straining to understand, and you were saying, explain that a little bit more. Lord, what did you mean in that parable? What did you mean in that story or description you were giving? But there was also a lot of joy and ease to that. They were right with Jesus. And if someone said to Bartholomew or to Luke or to one of the other disciples, how in the world do you spend time with Jesus? They would have looked at you like, I just spent time with Jesus. Uh, I'm always with Jesus. I'm, I'm with him all the time. See, discipleship is not about intellectual agreement. Discipleship is not adding your name to a church list. Discipleship is not choosing one of the world religions that sounds like it makes the most sense to you. Discipleship is seeing Jesus for who he is as the son of God. And saying, I am attaching my life to his. I am stepping forward. I am crossing the line of faith to attach my life and to become his follower, to become his disciple. And in that process, I want to listen to him. I want to sit under his teaching. I want to absorb all that he, I, I can from him. I want to watch him handle things and react to things. I want to watch the way he says things to people. And I want to listen and learn. I want to be a student. I want to begin thinking like he thinks. I want to begin reacting like he reacts. I want to become like him. That's the concept of discipleship. And that's the journey that we're on. But we don't get to go town to town with Jesus. We don't get to sort of ride along with him in the car, except we do. That's a sermon for another day. Uh, The presence of the Lord is with you wherever you go. Amen? Amen. And the hope of glory is Christ in you right now. But it's a little bit different when it's the Spirit of God in your heart than the physical Jesus with sandals and robes. How do we follow him? Last week in part two, we just spent a little bit of time talking about the fact that you and I are not part-time disciples. We looked at this little graphic that's going to come up here, just a reminder of last week, the idea that we're not compartmentalized, as it says on the right, where this is would, would represent a religious person. I have my work life, I have my Jesus life, I have my home life, and I have my fun life. And I give Jesus his time on a Sunday, I clock in. And then I clock out, 
and I go do my time in business and school, Jesus wouldn't understand why you need to copy the homework from somebody else um, in that class. Jesus wouldn't understand why you need to falsify the report so it goes up to the executive level and nobody's going to care. Jesus wouldn't understand. That's, this is my world. This is, and he's got his world and he doesn't have anything to do with my world. That's religion. I clock in and I clock out as a disciple, but that's not who we are. This other image over here shows Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of my life and who I am at work, at school, in my fun times, in my home, all of it flows out of my identity as a Christ follower. Jesus informs every bit of my day. Jesus informs and influences and is relevant to everywhere I go, every piece of paper I write, every form I sign, everything that goes on, every word that comes out of my mouth. I am a Christ-centered person. This is a disciple of Jesus versus a religious person. That was last Sunday. So this week... I want to offer here in this third and final part of the Devoted series to talk about what it is to be devoted to Jesus in 2019 when you don't have Jesus here in sandals and robes and you've got a busy schedule. Maybe you have young kids in the house. Maybe you have teenagers in the house. Maybe you're trying to keep up with this job or two jobs or three jobs. Maybe you're overwhelmed by a lot of stuff. Maybe you're still trying to break the chain of shame in your life from something that went on in your world a long time ago. Maybe you're carrying around the chain of of grief Um, that Matthew talked about a a little while, all these chains that Jesus needs to break. And it's hard for you to to kind of move forward as a disciple and meet with Jesus and spend time with Jesus with all these chains on your life. Maybe it's really hard for you. So today I want to offer some encouragement and some practical stuff. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty of what it is to be devoted to Jesus as a disciple and to spend time with Jesus. Some of us in the room have a regular devotional habit. You have a time that you set aside to meet with God. And maybe you do that every day. Maybe you do that three times a week. Maybe you do that for 10 minutes. Maybe you do that for 20 minutes. Maybe you do that for an hour. Some of you have a track record with a devotional habit. And the very topic of a devotional habit begins to push your guilt and shame button. Stop it right now. This is not a moment of, hey, what's your track record in that? Did you have a devotional habit that you've started and stopped, oh, at least 17 times in the last six months? That's all right. That's okay. That's, that's absolutely called being normal and being human. And here at People of Hope, we offer hope to people who are works in progress because we're all works in progress. Amen? And not a single one of us is perfect. So don't let that shame or guilt uh, noise come into your brain right now. I want to bring some practical steps today and helps today for all of us, whether you have a thriving, consistent, beautiful, almost easy to go into moment with God on a regular basis, or if you have one that's on and off, or if you've never had one, I really want to invite you. That's the key word, invite you into the beauty and benefits of a regular devotional habit, a regular time with God. So let's dive in together in those things. Number one, it's important that you understand that you are responsible for feeding yourself. Disciples of Jesus, feed yourself. 
Take responsibility for your own spiritual development. It is not my job to feed you. It is not the church's job to feed you. We are a supplement. The church and the pastor is not meant to be your primary diet for spiritual growth. We talked about this last week, that you and I are disciples and our devotion springs out of our absolutely miraculous access to God. Remember, we can go to him whenever. 24-7, 365, my goodness, you don't need me in the room. You don't need the church in the room. Don't let the enemy ever whisper into your ear, you know, I'm just not being fed. That's not the pastor. That's not the church. No one's put a gate over the door in the throne room of God. Feed yourself. You've got to develop a devotional habit. And the reason I say you have to develop a devotional habit if you're going to feed yourself is because the world is not going to open up your schedule and just drop in this beautiful slot for that to happen. You're not just going to look up and like, oh man, I find that every single day I've got like a solid hour. Just nothing going on. The to-do list is long gone. I have checked all those boxes. Anybody else like checking the boxes? I love checking the boxes. I sometimes add an item after I've done just so I can check it. Anybody else? That was my confession for the day. Here we go. I got a whole hour. I don't know what to do. And I'm not going to flip on Netflix or the TV or scroll through the websites or just kind of flip through Instagram. And I've got a whole hour. Man, I've got this every single day. I think I'm going to, wow, this is going to be beautiful. I'm going to have this moment with God. The world's not going to open up the schedule for you. You got to fight for it. If you don't plan it, it won't happen. That's just true. And some of us in here, we have been inconsistent, not in terms of an evaluation track record. You're not very consistent, not in that sense, but it hasn't been very regular for you because you've just been waiting for a moment or a window to open. You've got to fight for it. You've got to make the window. You've got to make the space on your calendar. One of the leaders that I heard speak about this uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago one time said, um, I sit down with a piece of paper on a Sunday night and I block out my times alone with God in the coming week before anything else has a chance to get on my schedule. I fight for it. I make it happen. I plan for it. If I'm going to feed myself, I can't just hope I have a few minutes peace. I can't hope I have a few minutes where I can focus. Because sometimes in that moment, you try to get quiet. But anybody else have a noisy brain in those moments? Things you forgot to do. (laughs) Things that you forgot to check on. Conversation that you got to have after lunch that you're not looking forward to. The relational strain, all these kind of things, all these, all these chains and noise and bit, all this kind of stuff. It's hard. You've got to fight for it. But friends, you must feed yourself. Number two, I want to show you some biblical examples this morning of the value of this and the importance of this. First of all, let's look at what Jesus did. You're going to look at some scripture passages coming up on the screen this morning. The first one's from the book of Matthew. And it says here very clearly, Jesus, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. So we don't have an exact time of day because some of you are going, all right, I'm taking notes. What time of day should I spend with God? And the answer is whenever you can find time. It's not more spiritual before sunrise. 
It's not more spiritual at midnight. It's really great when you can have dedicated, uninterrupted, meaningful time with the Lord. If on Monday, if you're able to do that three times a week and have good, meaningful time with God three times a week, if on Monday that's at 9 a.m. and on Wednesday that's at 11 p.m. and on Friday that's at noon, awesome. Embrace real life for you. But our Lord, our Lord had to pull away by himself. How much more so do we? And I feel for some of you, I have an empty nest at my house for about 10 weeks at a time. Our last child has gone to college. We have three kids. And for about 10 weeks at a time, they're off at school, and then they come home for breaks. And, and, and there's, there's a good bit of quiet in my house if I need it for about 10 weeks at a time. Then they come home and make lots of noise, stay up late, and eat all my snacks. I feel for some of you, you've got noise at your house. You've got homework and project. And oh, by the way, I need two sheets of poster board by tomorrow morning. I know it's 1130, but. And you've got little ones around your knees and ankles. And maybe your only privacy is in the bathroom. <laughs> maybe you're fighting for those moments of quiet. And, and I know it's not easy and it's not hard, but you're, you're going to have to. Understand that if Jesus needed to withdraw, we need to withdraw. We need to get the noise out and quiet our soul. We need to be still and know that he is God. We need to, to stop doing this drive-by, hope I can catch a little, and we need to drink deeply of the presence of the Lord. Some of us have never done that. Some of us just had a moment right then when you've said, it's been so long. You may need to get in your car and go sit in a parking lot somewhere to be alone. You may need to say to your spouse, I'll be back. The kids are over there. And you just go sit in your car. The place doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter. The environment doesn't matter. You don't need to have like a holy of holies room at your house. You don't need to have a literal prayer closet. You don't have to have a place that's all set up with a, com a comfy chair, a writing, you know, a little lap desk and a, and a big Bible and a candle and some soft music and a coffee steaming right there on the coaster next to you. A lot of those things aren't going to come very often. It could be that you're sitting in the back of the public's parking lot and everybody else is coming and going, getting their groceries, and you're in a moment of drinking deeply from the presence of God in the public's parking lot. It won't happen unless you plan for it to happen and fight for it to happen. But if Jesus withdrew, we need to withdraw. We need to withdraw from all the things in our feed we need to withdraw from all the things that are tugging on us and weighing us down and asking of us. We need to withdraw from all the things that are trying to define us. We need to withdraw from the comparison. We need to withdraw from the rat race. We need to withdraw from the sense of being driven and I've got to achieve and I've got to provide and I've got to produce. We need to withdraw from being distracted by pleasure. We need to withdraw from these pretend delights. We need 
to withdraw from these insufficient delights and distractions. Next passage in Mark 135, we see another instance. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Another example of Jesus doing this. The first one in Matthew almost is later that night. So it, it maybe was an afternoon or an evening. We don't know for sure. But this was an early in the morning. So there wasn't any sort of laying down the law. Because some of us in the room were just like early in the morning before while it was still dark. Mm-mm, no, thank you. And those of you were like, yeah, that's right. That's the godly hour right there. Let's go before daylight. The answer is what? Ever time fits your world. There were days when my kids were younger that my most productive hours between the hours of 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. because my house was quiet and I spent a little time with my bride and I would often tuck her in, <laughs> my wife, and I'd say, I got to go get some stuff done. You may need to get up before the sun is up to have that quiet moment in the house at the table, in a chair, on the back porch, in your car, wherever you need to go to just be with God. Another example from the life of Jesus in Mark 6. It says, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Prayer is an important aspect of a time alone with God, a, a meaningful devotional habit. And this is, is exemplified here by our Savior. Let's look at one more in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those uh, days Jesus spent all out, excuse me, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Wow. Extended time. He went out and spent a day. You're like, my goodness, I'm trying to find 20 minutes, a whole day. Maybe once a year, though, you would have a day to go take a spiritual retreat. Maybe your entire day turns into an afternoon where you and a journal and a coffee shop get together. How are you feeding yourself intentionally? How are you on purpose carving out time to sit under the word and to be faithful in prayer? Jesus is our example. And I want to show one more passage here that's familiar to a lot of us from Luke chapter 10. Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Get that picture for a minute. Just sitting at his feet, listening, absorbing. This is a discipleship moment. She is listening and, and straining and understanding and taking bits of it that she can carry with her and, and putting it into her own life and thinking about it and reflecting on it and chewing on it and processing it. And she's just, she's like becoming in this process. She's sitting at his feet, just listening to what he said. And she but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she said, Lord, don't you 
care that my sister has left me to do the work? Isn't this just like siblings? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset. This is the biblical word for some anxiety and stressed. You are worried and stressed and anxious and upset about many things, but few things are really needed. Few things are really needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I want to take that to say a couple of things. Number one, you will be blessed by God for choosing to set aside time to sit at his feet. The Lord approves of that. The Lord approves of that discipline. The Lord approves of that intentional planning. Secondly, notice Jesus said there are only a few things. He didn't say it was the only thing. So if you're wired to be way more about to-do lists and driven and accomplished and go, and I got this meeting and that schedule and I'm going to do this and I'm going to carve out some this time for this and this time for that, that's not a problem. You're not unspiritual. As long as you are intentional as a disciple to say, one of my carved out sections of my calendar is time with Jesus. I love that Jesus said there are a few things that are important. So if you're wired that way versus the one where you just want, I just want to sit with a cozy cup of hot tea and I just want to linger with the smell of a good candle and my Bible and several colored highlighters. And I'll just be here as long as I can be here and let the day go by, me and Jesus. That's awesome too. But not everybody's wired that way. Not everybody's wired to get into that kind of, of, of a moment of lingering. Not everybody has that schedule. So if you're the, I got stuff to do, I got places to go, I got meetings to attend, I got a company to run, I got clients to check on, I got patients to attend to, I got chores to get done. That's all right. There's a, there are a few things that need to be done. There's stuff that matters. Just make sure that you've planned, you've scheduled a devotional moment with the Lord. And it may not start out five days a week, three days a week. It may start out two really good moments with the Lord. Quality over quantity. Because you don't want to become religious. I checked my box today. I'm on to the next thing. I technically read my Bible. But did you meet with God? So number one was feed yourself. Number two, some biblical examples. And number three, here's where we're going to get down to the practicality. I want to give you um, some uh, elements of a devotional time with God. These are just some of my thoughts. There's a lot of different ways you can talk about this. But there's a graphic that's going to come up on your screen. It's these five things. And if you want to frame out a devotional moment, a devotional habit, here are my suggestions to you. First of all, be still. That's the first thing that's got to happen. You have to be still. We've all seen the octagon that's red at intersections with 
the word stop on it, the stop sign. And we've probably all had that moment where we've sort of done the rolling stop. Some of us may have even had a conversation with law enforcement about the fact that we did not come to a complete stop. And the very most important part of your devotional moment with God is coming to a complete stop. Because if your habit is a rolling, drive-by, glancing encounter, you are on your way to becoming a box-checking religious person. But whether it's 10 minutes or 40 minutes or 20 minutes or 50 minutes or an hour, come to a complete stop and sit at the feet of Jesus. Be still. We struggle with this right now. A lot of us are are really challenged because of this little thing, the phone. And I find myself working hard in my marriage that when we go out to dinner or we are hanging out at breakfast or we're together that we're sitting across from each other and not both doing this on our phones. Because in that moment, I'm not fully present with her. I get a little anxious about what other people think sometimes, and I wish there was a little sign I could put on the table. Like, we're checking flights for a fun getaway. That's what we're doing right now with our phones. I'm not ignoring my wife. We're doing something for our marriage. Thank you. Mind your own business. Um, But I think about that from some time. I want to be fully present with her. I don't want her to go, what was that? What would you say? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah kind of response is, I'm mostly listening. I'm mostly here. Come to a complete stop. The other picture I want you to have of this rolling stop is when you're having a conversation with someone and you're looking them in the eyes, but they're looking past your shoulder to other people or to who else is in the room. Like I'm talking to you, but I'm actually thinking about what's next. And this is hard. But in your time with God, you're going to have to train your brain and train your will. If you're meeting with God in the morning, you're going to have to close the door to the afternoon's tasks. And if you're meeting with God at night, you're going to have to close the door to the things you should have gotten done in the day that you didn't. You're going to have to be fully present, come to a complete stop, be still, be still. This is the hardest one. Because being still isn't just about sitting in a chair, is it? It's in here. And sometimes it takes a little while to disconnect, to just breathe into a moment where time with God is all that's in front of you. Secondly, be worshipful. I think being worshipful is an important next part of a devotional moment because it reminds you of the one with whom you are meeting. I want to stop for a minute and remember that I need to come boldly and confidently with childlike faith into the presence with reverence Because this is the king of kings. And this is God. And I don't want to treat this too casually. 
So I want to come in with worship. For me, what that looks like and sounds like is for me in my heart, when I'm trying to come to a complete stop, I begin to just in my mind, or if I'm out loud, if I'm not in public in some place where I can just begin to list off the characteristics of God. Lord, you are so faithful. There's no one like you. You are limitless in power. God, you're so full of mercy. I have needed your mercy time and time again. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, you, you can speak to the wind and waves. God, you're full of glory, might. Lord, you're beyond time. Just to really connect with the bigness of God and the faithfulness of God. So be still and be worshipful. Often in the Psalms, which is a collection of a lot of devotional moments, often in the Psalms, you hear the praises come first. Praise the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord, who is faithful. Praise to you, the Lord, who might help. Praise to you, Lord. Praise to you, Lord. And then it's my requests. But it starts out with praise. The third part, and just this suggested template for you, is to be thankful. I think that's really important for us to be grateful kids before our Father. It's really important for us to be thankful for all that the Lord has done in our lives, in our history. It's also one of those things that just buoys our faith, lifts it up, and gives fresh wind into our sail because in that moment we remember what God has done in our past and it gives us confidence for what God can do in our future. We remember how good God has been. And so on this Tuesday, and when there's a lot of storm and a lot of struggle, that buoys our faith to stand tall, believing in what God can do in the midst of this storm and struggle because of what we've known he's already done. Be thankful for people. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful for moments. Be thankful for your spouse. Be thankful for the blessings. Be thankful for your health. Be thankful for everything that just comes to mind. Be thankful. Have you noticed so far, I haven't told you how long in these different elements. Just work your way through. There is no list that I'm going to give you because I don't want to create a room full of legalists who said I did my X minutes here and my four minutes in the second one and my three and a half minutes in the second one and then these many minutes in this minute. Just be with God. And that'll fluctuate. Be still. Be worshipful. Be thankful. Number four, be teachable. Come to the Lord. Disciples are students. We're pupils first and foremost. And get into the Bible. Open the Bible. It could be on your phone. It could be in a book uh, form. It doesn't matter. But get into the Bible. Sit under the Bible because we believe this is not simply a collection of ancient documents. It's not simply the words of some people in the ancient Near East. This is the word of God and it is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it has the power to pierce down into our soul. Amen? This is the love letter of God. Amen? This is the revelation of who God is and what he can do. Amen? So let's sit under that. Let's be teachable. I don't know it all. I don't have it all together. I don't have my afternoon covered, God. 
I have stuff to learn. I want to sit and listen and watch and absorb and begin to retain and build into my own life so that as a disciple, I'm beginning to think like he thinks, to react like he reacts, to live like he lives. That's discipleship. And discipleship apart from God's word is just a little empty. Discipleship needs to include the learning. Jesus taught this series of messages that we sometimes refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the 12 were there. They sat under the teaching and then they processed it with him afterwards. You and I don't get that same option, but 24-7, 365, you can open up the Sermon on the Mount and sit under the teaching of Jesus and learn and absorb and process and pray as a disciple. Be teachable. As you go to God's word, you can look for a few things. Let me give you a short little list of things you can look for. You can look, are there any commands that I should obey? Because you may be reading in God's word in different places. Are there any commands to obey? Secondly, is there a characteristic of God to notice? Is there a characteristic of God to notice? Third, is there a promise that's given in this passage? Fourth, is there something I can carry through today or tomorrow? That's why it may be helpful to have a journal. You don't have to. That's not the right way. But it may be helpful to have a journal to record some of these things and stick a date next to it. I will confess to you that as a high school kid, when I started my devotional habits, and they've been consistent and inconsistent over my lifetime, I had the worst time with writing the date in my journal entries. Because I would write a date on a Monday, and then I wouldn't meet with God again for a couple of weeks, and that old date would be staring me in the eye. And guilt and shame would come over me. So maybe you don't write the date. Because it's not about perfect attendance. It's about quality encounters. But a journal can help you record some of those things to carry through the day. And if you're slightly more daring, you might take your journal and say, man, here's the thing I'm going to carry through this day. I'm going to grab an index card out and I'm going to write that thing on the index card. And I'm going to put it on my rearview mirror or put it on my dash or I'm going to put it in my office and tape it to my computer monitor. Or I'm going to put it in my pocket. That's one of my tricks is I put a card in my pocket and every time I reach for my keys, um, I feel that card and I go, what the, oh, and that's what it is. And it reminds me. So find some way to carry it through the day. So be still, be worshipful, be thankful, be teachable. And then finally, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Have you, as your heart has swollen up with the promises of God and the bigness of his character, and have you sat under his word after you've reflected on his goodness to you and after you've taken time to realize his greatness and majesty, now ask him for stuff. We've said before, we don't need to inform God about what's going on. We just need to ask him for stuff. 
Lord, I have this meeting at 2 o'clock with so-and-so, and you know what they're like. <laughs> Do this, Lord. Resolve this before we even have to talk. God could do that. Repair this, restore this, fix this, change this, heal this. Break this chain, God. Our God can do anything. And you ought to have such God-sized prayers in your moment with God that you're sitting for a while, but you got to stand up because you're all worked up. Like, my God can do miracles. I love this crescendo moment in your devotional habit where you're asking of the Lord, make your name great in my neighborhood, grow our church, Lord, for your joy and the joy of the people in our city. Lord, protect my daughter from the comparison she goes through on Instagram. Ask, ask, ask. Go to war for your family. Go to battle for your coworkers. Pray about those marriages you know that are struggling. Pray about those relationships that are just on the brink. Call out to God and lift up to the Father those who are hurting and wounded and grieving. And say, Lord, be near to the brokenhearted. Please, Lord. They're hurting so much. Help them, Lord. Be prayerful. So let's look at these five things right here. Be still, be worshipful, be thankful, be teachable. And be prayerful. Here's what I'm pretty sure of. You can't do this in five minutes. I'm pretty sure of that. It might take me five minutes to come to a complete stop. To be still. So how long? I'm, I'm not going to tell you. Your meaningful encounter at the feet of the Savior could be just a single digit number of minutes or it could be a couple of dozen minutes have a meaningful moment that's how long it is and the meaningful moment on a Tuesday may be different than the meaningful moment on a Saturday Saturdays in your world may not be a work day but if you don't plan for it it's not going to happen let me offer you some resources this morning. I'm trying to go super practical here to, to teach and help today as a shepherd. So first of all, there's several resources. One of them is in these reading plans on the YouVersion app. If you don't have the YouVersion app on your device, you should get it. It's the most downloaded uh, Bible. In it's like hundreds of, uh, it's millions. It's crazy. It's developed by a local church in Oklahoma. And it's amazing. Because they have hundreds and thousands of reading plans for you to go through there. And it's right there on your device, right there on your tablet, right there on your, on your uh, desktop, wherever you would need it. It can go with you anywhere. And I just did a screenshot of some of the devotional reading plans there. There's one that's called Powerhouse 60-Day Devotional. There's 60 days worth. Because a lot of us struggle because we're like, I don't know where to start. And that's Okay. That's really okay if you don't like, I, I want to have a meaningful moment with God, but I could use a little bit of a boost. I could use a little bit of some help and some assistance in this. I could use something that's going to help me move toward him. So I can do the be still, I can do the be worshipful, be thankful, and, and all this. But when it's the teachable time, 
I, man, these reading plans may be awesome for you. I'm going to sit under God's word through a reading plan on an app. There's another one that's five days, eight days, 14 days. There's one's just for men. There's one reflecting God's image. There's something called Girl in the Song. And I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting for you or someone else. There's one called a Devotional in the Life of Moses. There are hundreds of them. So, devotional habits not going to just open up and make itself happen by accident. So, part of your planning may look like you carving out 10, 20, 30 minutes at lunch or in the car when someone else is driving. And you just scrolling through the reading plans. Or try that one. And if it's a 60-day plan and you're two days into it and you're kind of going, you know what, this is a little bit lame. Then just exit out of it and start a new one. But reading plans could be part of that teachable moment. Let's look at the next image. This is just a screenshot of some Spotify playlists. If you love some of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday, if you want to sing about the leaving the 99 and the reckless love of God and the breaking every chains and the, the, what a beautiful name it is and, and the fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. If you want to sing all those things, my goodness, get your device out, get your phone out at, and find a teenager to teach you how to use Spotify <laughs> because it's free. And you can go and find a, a playlist, and it's maybe I just want to do new music or Christian music, and this is just four of dozens. And you can create your, a teenager will show you. But there's one called Worship Now, and you can click on Worship Now, and it would just have all of these songs, and you can just plug it in into your car. You can have it going in the bathroom when you're getting dressed in the morning. You can have it uh, just feeding your soul throughout the day on a walk, on a, on a run, all of that kind of stuff. That's part of a devotional moment with the Lord where it is clear that for you, praise and worship doesn't live in this building. And some of what's going to call you deeper in love with Jesus is the fact that you've been chewing on that Break Every Chain song for days, not just minutes. Because I don't know if you caught the lyric, because I've been chewing on that song a little while. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's an army rising up to break every chain. That's called a people of hope to take hope out to chained up people. We're the army rising up. Did you catch that lyric? <laughs> yes, Jesus can break our chains, but he's gathering an army of people who have had their chains broken. And we're going out there to people who don't know it's even possible. That's the army rising up. And sometimes you got to chew on a song for a while to really understand what was going on with it. And can I just add also to 99% of the songs you adore came out of a songwriter's devotional moment with God. And many of us are enjoying the fruit of someone else's discipline. And we're not going to the well ourselves. So reading plans, that could be helpful. It's easy. I will show you. If you can't find a teenager, I would love to help you. Spotify is awesome. And then there are some websites for this teachable aspect. Here are three of my favorite ones. They're, they're really easy to use. One's called BibleStudyTools.com. You can kind of guess what that's about. 
and BibleGateway.com. These are all free, by the way. BibleGateway is the one I use the most. Um, you can see all kinds of different translations. If I need a quick search of, where's the word, you know, grace used? Ah, when I was thinking about what to name this church, I was in an airport in Miami, and I was on my phone and Safari, the Bible Gateway, just going, show me all the times the word hope was used. Boom, two seconds. Show me all the times the word grace was used. Just These tools are free. They're there for you. Because you may be thinking, I haven't been to seminary. I don't know how to study. These tools are free and they're there for you. Bible study tools, uh, Bible Gateway and BibleHub.com. Use some of these things in your teachable. So, so the devices aren't the enemy. Hello? So you can come to a complete stop and still use a reading plan as you're being teachable. You can come to a complete stop and use a Bible reference site or an app to read your scriptures. You don't have to have a a paper copy. But last but not least, I want to advocate for a moment about a paper copy of the Word. Uh, One of my challenges to you, one of the best resources you could ever get is something called a study Bible. And some of you have them and some of you don't. They've gone and gone out of style because, my goodness, the trend recently is, is that study Bibles are about this thick and they weigh 47 pounds. And we're so used to throwing things in our pockets, and we're like, oh, I don't know, and I kind of feel like I, you know, I need a dolly or something to, you know, to bring this into church on Sunday morning or whatever. But maybe, and I'm not telling you this is the right way to do it, but maybe for you, you have a mobile version of the scripture, and maybe you have a at home at my spot in my car or at my house where I'm going to meet with the Lord. I have an at home version or in my car version, and it's the big study Bible. You could buy one for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, but there's one that I really want to recommend. It's called the Life Application Study Bible. It's a great entry study Bible if you've never um, gotten involved with one. And none of you can read these things, but I just want to show you a little bit up here. This is from the Life Application Study Bible of Genesis 1. So as you're coming into Genesis 1, what you're going to see is, is that it gives you like an overview. Here are all these key places. And then it's going to define them for you and tell you a little bit about Mount Ararat and Babel and Ur of the Chaldeans and Haran and Egypt and Bethel. And then it's going to give you a little entry paragraph before chapter 1. And at the bottom of that, 1 colon 1, it's going to give you explanation notes. Have you ever been in the Bible and you've just kind of been wondering like, I, I see what it says, but what does it mean? <laughs> That's what a study Bible helps with. Go to the next image here. Here's the next page in this. And it's up there, you know, the scripture is there. God said, let there be light. But the middle section is a little bit of an explanation of the beginnings of the origins of all things. And then down below, here's an explanation of 111 and an explanation of 12. I'm sorry, it was 11. An explanation of 16. So when it says the vault between the waters, this is a separation between the sea and the mist of the sky. So if you're going, I want to grow, I am teachable, I want to learn, get yourself a study Bible. Get yourself a study Bible. Absolutely worth the investment. Feed thyself. One last image here, I think, on the study Bible. Is that right, guys? Is there one more? Yeah. Look at that. The days of creation are given to you in like a little overview. And then at the bottom, you've got verse 25, verse 26, not every verse, verse 27, verse 28. There's some explanation that goes for that. If you don't own an easy-to-read study Bible, I highly encourage you to make that investment. It doesn't make you more spiritual, but it's a tool to learn. 
One of the biggest reasons why people stop their devotional habits is because they have a dry encounter with God's Word, and there's nothing wrong with God's Word. It's just they need a little explanation and help and application and understanding. So get yourself a study Bible. You'll be so glad you did. You may even start carrying it to church, even though it's big and heavy. You can get Kindle versions of these for cheaper prices. Um, there's, just get a study Bible and use it. Um, it could be helpful. So there, right there are four resources that you could use. Some reading plans, some Spotify playlists, some websites, and then a study Bible. That's a big recommendation. But here's the last thing. It all comes down to discipline. Does anyone else hate that word? Is that just like, like bring up memories from like middle school athletic coaches? You know, discipline. It all comes down to discipline. You've got to fight for the time. Even though the place doesn't matter, you've got to fight for the time. Your spouse isn't going to do this for you. Your parent isn't going to do this for you. Maybe you want to get somebody to hold you accountable. Maybe you want to get to a friend and say, call me at X o'clock every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I'm not going to wake up at X o'clock on my own. Or I will, but I'm going to hit the button. So call me at X o'clock, please, because I want some, I want to do this, but I'm weak. And until I've trained myself into discipline here, would you call me at X o'clock and wake me up? But you're going to have to move toward discipline. Disciples, discipline comes from a superior want that makes other wants look small. Discipline comes from a superior want that makes other wants look small. Wanting to grow and to know Jesus more and to be more free of our past and more free of the grip of sin and full of more joy and be happier in God and have more faith and more trust and more victory. Wanting that can become a superior want over the want of staying in the covers 20 minutes longer. That's an inferior want. Oh, it feels good. But discipline comes when you identify a superior want. Discipline breaks down your, your want into achievable steps and then fights with yourself to keep taking those steps. That's who you're fighting against is yourself. Teenagers, this is, the, the, this is brutal, but here's the truth. You make time for what you want to make time for. It's just true. We got lots of reasons why we can't, but you make time to make time for the things you want to make for, make time for. So discipline says, I'm not going to set this ideal that I'm going to have a moment with God every day at 5 a.m. for the rest of my life. That's a reckless ideal. A discipline path says, I need this. I want this really want this. So I'm going to try to go this week having one complete stop, go through those five things, be still, be there. I'm going to have one really good encounter with God this week. And then the next week we'll see what happens. I may have two. I may have three. We'll see. But I'm not going to set up a pass-fail moment. I'm going to set up a moment of progress and joy. 
I'm calling you. I'm inviting you not to religious, legalistic, keep up the habit. I'm inviting you to drink deeply of something that will satisfy you in ways you never thought were possible. And where you can go to war in the heavenlies and see real change in your life and in the lives of others. And where God's word, God's word can help you in your battle against sin. God's word can help you in your discouragement against monsters and giants. God's word can radically impact the way you handle and react to the jerks of this world. God's word can impact your life. But you got to sit under it. It comes down to discipline. One of the people I listen to on a podcast every once in a while is a former Navy SEAL lieutenant commander named Jocko Willink. Here's a picture of Jocko. He's, does that look like a Jocko, right? Like that should be his name, Jocko. He is a highly skilled jujitsu master guy and all those things, but he was a highly decorated lieutenant commander in the Navy SEALs. And right now he and one of his partners in the SEAL operations uh, are, they go and speak to businesses uh, all over the world and take things they've learned on the battlefield about team and business and problem solution and strategy and apply that to business world. But he's written a co- couple of books. They're really, really good books. But one of the books that he uh, wrote recently is one called Discipline Equals Freedom. And I want you to listen to what he says here in the front of this book. This is from Navy SEAL Jocko, who has no speed but full on in his life. And he goes after it because he wants it. This is what he says. He says, people look for the shortcut, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut is a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it will not take you where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free. And we could insert in there closer to God, more full of faith, more like Jesus, greater peace in my heart, freedom from sin and shame, life change. There's no shortcut. There's no hack. He goes on and says, to reach goals and overcome obstacles and become the very best version of of you that's possible will not happen by itself. It will not happen cutting corners or taking shortcuts or looking for the easy way for there is no easy way. Friends, you cannot microwave your spiritual development. And you cannot catch it from being around spiritually deep people. There is only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, frustration, and discipline. There must be discipline. What do you want? discipline.
get familiar with the do not disturb button on your device. And carve out that time because no one else is going to do it for you. And taste and see that the Lord is better than you even thought he was. Would you bow your head and pray? I want to lead you into just a little bit of a moment of commitment between you and the Lord. I don't know where you are in terms of devotional habits.